0: Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best time fishing show on the radio of the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Surley, and I'm here with my partner, Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, especially St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a lot of products and fishing lifestyle and passion and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. We certainly do. Daiwa Reels. Don't forget to check out our website wefishasa.com. You can always catch the podcast there, but then again you can catch the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. We are worldwide. We Fish ASA is produced by our executive producer, Mr. Brad Nerman down in Lando Lakes, Florida. Bradley, thank you for everything you do on today's show. We welcome Dan Johnson from St. Croix. We welcome Brian Bayshore, walleye guy. Uh, He's really a great guy for the sport of fishing. He's done so many things. He's going to talk about an event out in the Dakotas that his group is operating. Uh, Always good to hear from Brian. I get to sit down with Boyd Duckett. He's the head man at Major League Fishing. Came up with the concept made this thing happen my goodness is that major league fishing is just something else there's five levels of it thousands of anglers involved in it and kept off by the best 80 fishermen in the world major league fishing Boyd duckett have him on in a few minutes but first let me swing it over to mr dave kranz we're going to talk about fall fish movements with our good friend dan johnston take it away david as steve said i am dave kranz steve sarley
1: you're remote, but that's okay. Dan Johnson is always brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. How you doing, Dan? Doing great, thanks. Oh, That's good. So uh, it's fall. We're feeling fall. We've got wind. we got cool temperatures across the country. Uh, what does this do to the fall fish movement?
2: Yeah, big topic. You know, because we have this, uh, I think all of us, no, I shouldn't say all of us, but a lot of us relate to this Indian summer phenomenon that, you know, up here in Iowa, it can run certainly into October, it can run into November. We can get 75 degree days and um, you know, things like that. But I I think a couple things, you know, Dave, we've done a lot of episodes on how fish are so bait driven. Um late, late fall and specifically shad. And I'm talking about bass and crappie primarily, but um, you know, and we, we know that. Uh, but the shad make moves. Uh, the predator fish make moves and there's a few things that go on at a very high level, though. Obviously they're making a move because of bait, but they're also making moves because they do go into wintering areas and, you know, they're not going to be in two foot of water and current and lily pads in December. they first of all, it's frozen and not for obvious reasons. But that said, I think that we need to kind of understand those two things. Number one, they're, they're, they definitely key on bait. They're schooled up. There's truth to the fall feed up philosophy but then we also need to understand that they're moving starting to move towards their wintering areas and even if you get warm days late in the fall the days themselves are shorter so the nights are longer and obviously the nights are usually generally speaking cooler so it could be 75 degrees out during the day but you could still be losing water temperature and i think that's really important to understand and and, and i think there's also a difference between lakes and rivers. I mean, for example, I had river fish really shallow, really shallow a month ago, um, and they are not there right now. They're, the, the last time I was up there, which was very recently, a lot of them were in eight to ten foot of water, in just the right amount of current, but it was a lot deeper area that feeds into these shallow areas but the fish physically pulled because i could see them with forward-facing sonar there were just all kinds of them and uh i knew they were bass the way they were in there and uh that's the kind of thing that uh i think we really need to understand and then then we just need to figure out how to catch them because those fall fish uh are not we don't fish for them necessarily the same way as we would in august back there when they're super shallow
1: and, and I think you bring up a really good point, whether it's a lake or a river, um, those fish still go to a wintering ground, somewhere where they're going to be comfortable, somewhere where the, uh, you know, a water fluctuation isn't going to cause them to have to move. And, and I, a lot of people may not realize that, that river fish do have wintering grounds.
2: Oh, 100% they do, and I think from a high-level strategy, one thing that's really important, and you can look at maps of rivers, you can look at maps of lakes, and if you understand where they winter, there's certain, obviously there's a point A they were at in August, September, then there's the final destination, but they got to get there. And what we need to figure out is when they get there, how many of them get there, how long do they stay. And I'm talking about those transition areas from midsummer pattern to wintering areas, arguably can be some of the best fishing of the year if you can find them, because it can be the worst too. A lot of people talk about how tough September and October can be. Well, a lot of that's because they, especially October, I'm talking about the Midwest, they really start to school up. So it's boom or bust. If you find one, you can catch 30. or you can go around and not get bit because they're just not there. And I think that so two things happen. They really start to school up and then they absolutely start moving towards transition areas. And if you find a transition area and it makes sense then you can look at your map and you can find other ones that are like it, other sloughs that they pull out of that's fed by a deep vein that's got the right current in it that's on the way to a wintering area and apply it to that. And a lot of times it's just a matter of finding the school, and that's where electronics come in. Like I'll take a long, deep slough and I'll just run the whole thing and try to find them first because when I find them, there's usually a lot of them instead of just going down and flipping the bank, whether it's a cut bank or not. Um, And you can learn a lot by, by trying to find schools of them but, yeah, they absolutely make those moves in the fall, and all fish do, too. Crappies, crappies stay really, really target-centric um, late, late fall, real, real shallow. Um, and a lot of your bass will be real shallow, too, but they start to get in shallow areas that are closer to deep water. I think is really important.
1: Yes, absolutely. I agree. Uh, are the transition areas? the same or similar in when they're moving to summer areas or to winter areas? Is that, is those those highways, are are they similar?
2: Oh, not necessarily because it's a completely different, it's a great question. And again, none of us have all the answers. I'm just going off of everything that I've learned and hopefully will learn 10 times, thousand times more than I even know now. But for me, they make that wintering move to bedding areas. Right. In the Mm -hmm. spring. So they're looking for a certain type of bottom, hard bottom, you know, sun exposed areas. Just everything's got to be right for that. And then when they get post, they'll get real tough for a little bit and they'll feed up. They'll get in current. If it's on a river, they'll get shallow. Everything's we talk about healthy water a million times. But that move to the wintering area is not back through a bedding area. So it it is it is completely different. They 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 do definitely make defined moves for sure. And early they're schooled, late they're schooled, and in the summer you can find schools if you find the right water. But a lot of times it's that real healthy, shallow, bait driven. Everything's just right in it where it's 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 more that than it is necessarily a staging area. In other words, you can you can have water going up and down like crazy, and they'll stay in a deep slough. Or if it goes up and down like crazy, we're in an area that's two foot and you're frog fishing, they're going to be gone. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that's something that's, uh, that card we, we all have to play and we fight that all the time. But the important thing is to understand the main seasonal movements because they do move. You just cannot go to history and go back to spots you caught them in June and go catch them right now.
1: No, good explanation on that. I've I've always found that the fall movement is more related to bait as they go to winning areas where exactly what you said the spring is spawning grounds and not so concentrated on whether there's food there or not.
2: Yeah, but they'll be on bait to get to bedding areas. No question. And, you, you know, the shadow moves shallow. We know when the shad spawn happens, shad spawn's a huge driver of shallow water bass fishing. Um, but that said, their final destination in the spring, the way they're programmed, is to get to that bedding area. And they're following bait back in there, great, but they're programmed to get there um where in the fall it's absolutely not the case they are bait driven right up to the end but they will get in these staging areas that they're just they just they kind of just hang out but they're in big packs of them and that's that's what makes it fun
1: absolutely how about the guys down south that uh, that fish get to fish all winter um uh, uh, they're wintering grounds is there different ways to catch them when they're in that that mode when they're at the winter staging areas
2: yeah, you know, I'd have to defer to some of the guys down there that have so much more experience than I do, but I can, I can tell you what I've heard mm-hmm. from so a good friend of mine winters down in Florida, call him a snowbird, but he gets to fish every day. <laughs> and he spends <laughs> the rest of the year up on Pool Tam in the Mississippi River where he's got a tough life, but yeah. hopefully he's listening to this. But, um, but you know, he'll, one thing he'll tell me, um, that cold fronts just absolutely destroy Florida bass. Um, they just, they're really, really, really hard to catch in cold fronts. And we're up here while they're harder to catch. They don't just completely shut down on you you know, and I, I think those fish, obviously they stay shallower down there. Your water temperature never gets to what it does down here. Your, therefore your weeds stay healthier for the majority of the year down there than they do up here. So I think there's just geographical things that come in that drive those fish to do what they do. It's not necessarily just because the fish for in Florida, it's because there's a lot of factors. And again, I'm kind of basing that on, on what, uh, what he tells me but you know you're not gonna get your classic big defined seasonal movements with the seasons as much as you would up here in the midwest because it freezes hard obviously we're driving trucks on it and then you got the summer where it's scorching hot and you got all that in between where down there it's you know you're not going to get uh, ice over the water. So it, it is a little bit different, but they do make their moves and they are affected by weather. And we have to understand, you know, where we live, what those fish do, and then just adapt our strategy to it.
1: Yeah, our spawn can be a matter of days or a week or two, you know, including fry balls, the whole thing down there. You have fish spawning from December till March. So that is uh, because of the consistency of the weather, those fish just spawn when they're, when it's their time and their cycle.
2: Well, yeah, it stays that way. The conditions stay that way longer. yeah, you know, um you, you'll you'll get the beautiful weather all the way down there through the spring and and uh, whether you get water fluctuations or not, you don't have this deal like you've heard me say a thousand times. it It takes God to get fish to come shallow here in the Midwest. but once they get there, it's hard to push them back. Where in Florida, I think they're just there. You know, because the conditions are just right for it most of the year. Where up here, there's a certain time after ice out um, until they get to their bedding areas where they're just not there. And you think they should be. Your electronics shows they should be in water temperature and sun's hitting the bank. And you think, man, one of these days and you just can't catch them. And all of a sudden they're all over the place. (laughs) You know, so it, it seems to happen pretty quick. Um, you know, but that, that I would say the, the fall move from shallow or from shallow to deep is a little more spread out than in the spring. The, the spring they just seem to cover up on the bank. and then in the fall, they, they pull, but they seem to pull like it's like a drip, drip, drip thing where you can still catch a few shallow and they're really starting to load up in deeper areas. and there's kind of a lot in between too. but you, you get late, late fall. And they're just out of those super, super shallow areas, generally speaking, unless it's close to some deep enough water where they feel comfortable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Always good information from Dan Johnson. Thank you, Dan. We look forward to talking to you next week.
2: Hey, Dave, thanks so much.
1: Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnson. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on Earth.
2: We'll be right back.
0: Probably one of the number one questions I get you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is Sunline, and my favorite
2: lines to use is Sunline.
0: How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, right, sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly,
1: it's the best in the market. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Starley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Boy, I always like to say everybody I get to interview on this segment has a passion for the outdoors. My next guest is Brian Bashore. He is Second Century Habitat Fund of South Dakota. He is their executive director, and they've got some exciting stuff coming up, don't you, Brian?
3: Oh, you bet. Thanks, Dave. We always have something good going on over here in South Dakota. Uh, not just
1: uh, great hunting and fishing, but we're giving away some great stuff to support Habitat right now. And, and we have, uh, we're in northern Illinois, and I know people that are in Iowa and Wisconsin, Illinois, and, and they go out there to South Dakota to fish and to hunt, and uh, you've got some great uh, opportunities there. But uh, uh, what is the fundraiser uh, about? What are you giving away? How do people participate?
3: Yeah, so Second Century Habitat is a nonprofit organization basically working in partnership with Game Fish and Parks, DU, Fence Forever, all our other NGOs, and utilizing the uh, Fence Forever GFP biologists to help establish some of our working lands program. Um, so we're basically trying to raise funds so we can go purchase up or supplement the landowners with some funds to help them put those marginal acres back into some some little bit more productive habitat, um, you know. Stuff that's going to be more beneficial and financially better for their their farming or their landowner, you know, producer operation. Um, and we have a big raffle going on right now. We're giving away a Toyota Tundra TRD Pro um, paired up with an Alumicraft 165 Classic Sport with a 60 horse Merc on it. Oh, and uh, all those proceeds go right back to us for your tickets that you purchase for twenty dollars a ticket, um, three for fifty or ten for a hundred. And then we're gonna, you know, when this drawing happens into May. We're going to go ahead and put all that money right back in our working lands program, and put more habitat on the ground. So yeah, the last three years alone, we're at 7,200 acres, uh, put a little million dollars into that. And all that is, the you old. Know, it increases not just habitat, but public access, more areas to hunt, you know, and the access. But ultimately, just more habitat on the ground is going to increase our wildlife numbers, you know. Drastically, and obviously, peasants are, are a primary focus in South Dakota just for as much revenue as that brings in for the state.
1: Absolutely. How do people, we'll give it again at the end, but how do people participate? Where do they go to purchase tickets?
3: Yep, it's sdhabitatfund.org. Um, you'll see a pop up on the homepage, or you can just go to backslash raffle on that same URL. <clears throat> That'll go right there. You can find us on Facebook at sdhabitatfund or sdhabitatfund on Instagram and uh or just get in touch with me we will hook you up with tickets we'll be at a lot of the sports shows governor's stuff coming up this week we have the black hill sports show out in uh rapid january we have pheasant fest omaha sports show sioux falls sport boat travel show we'll be there and you can get tickets in person as well
1: excellent now you said that making some of this uh this ground uh, more uh uh productive now so many of the places uh that hold pheasants and and hold other you know the same habitat holds deer and holds other birds non even non hunting species. Uh, it, they're just such a a, a group of, of animals and and every kind of critter that benefits from this. But some of that land isn't good farming anyway because it's low or it's high drainage. So this helps prevent a lot of erosion. Also, doesn't
3: it? Oh, for sure, and you know. Carbon sequestration, it's clean water. I mean, there's just the uh, you know the list goes on and on. But our you know we work with friends forever, and a GFP biologists go out there and identify landowners that have these you know these marginal acres, or many times landowners who just reach out to us and say, hey, we got you know 10, 50, or 100 acres that it's just unproductive, it's too wet, or it's whatever. So the biologists go and work with them on that. So they check it out and say, all right. And then they identify you know they get to work with the landowner. We identify what type of seed would be best for that. Um, contracts come through and. Uh, they enroll in it for a five-year program, kind of like a CRP or a CREP program. We have a working lines program, um, but we also supplement all those other ones.
1: That's excellent. And, and it is as easy as that. If you provi- provide habitat, the animals will come back or find these areas or be introduced to these areas. And it, it really works, doesn't it? Yeah,
3: if you, you plant it, they will come pretty much as the same. And, and there's you know there's more to it than that. We will, you know, there's grazing allowed on it. And grazing is actually a really good practice, management practice, to help. You know, eliminate those weeds and, and good for the soil basically. Um what those cattle leave, you know, leave behind um that's gonna turn for the next year and actually make it come back thicker. And it's not, you know, just the pheasants that benefit, like you said, all wildlife is gonna benefit. The seed mix is great for pollinators, which is gonna help out all those ag those fields that are in the surrounding areas as well. So I mean it's, there's really just it's a win-win situation.
1: Yeah, the the pollinators, the migrating uh uh birds that that go uh, every year back and forth they have places that they can use to rest and to water and to to eat Um, there's just so many benefits to anything that uh, can be done for conservation Uh, plus plus the this increased uh use of an area rather than just have it just be crops and for miles and miles and miles you've got these key areas and and Really, the best areas that can be restored and and make it a lot more productive. I I love it. I how did you get involved with this? Uh, I've been in the conservation space for a long time,
4: and then the, this position came up. GFP was um, or their second century habitat
3: fund had a uh, kind of part time someone handling a couple different fields of it and they decided it's kind of the governor Noam was elected in 2019 and she revitalized this whole program to fit her second century initiative one of new board members and we hired you know myself and Sal al Rosland as our development director and development company just in the last year and while we had some some funds in there just to really make this thing stick and take off and start doing great things so like i said the last three years we put 7200 acres in and and uh, we're launching some other big habitat stuff here within just you know this week and next week actually so
1: Excellent. That is excellent. So when these lands go into these programs, um, do they become um, open public lands for people to go and use? Or is is there a way that you find out where they're at and when they can be used or how they can be used? It is, they have to allow reasonable access to them, depends
3: on what program they're in. There's different ones. There's ones with GFP, you know, the, the CREP programs, or decent to CRP programs, and those are listed on your, your Onyx maps, your Game, Fish, and Parks maps, your public hunt atlases. Our working lands ones are, um, they have to allow reasonable access. There is some signs posted on several of those where they're at, um, but they're not, you know, they're not in your public hunting atlas, at least not yet. Um, but there are signs posted as there's not too many. And those are only anywhere from 10 to 160 acres, uh, which is still plenty big. Um, I prefer personally hunt the small sections myself with just me and two dogs. So yeah. um, but we have a lot of areas that are, you know, four, five, 600-acre area public, you know, prep areas for, for uh the massive amount of people that come to South Dakota to chase these roosters, and that started this weekend. So
1: there you go, there you go, and it's starting to feel like like fall out there already with the uh, the colder temperatures. Uh, not only there, across the country.
3: Yeah, for sure. We hunted up in Aberdeen and then worked our way towards Sioux Falls this weekend and saw just an absolute ton of birds. So it looks like it's a great year, um, and just the habitat was great. A lot of corn is on its way out. I don't know maybe half, two thirds of it's out. Um, that'll you know get knocked down pretty good this. Throughout this week and that'll uh make hunting a little bit easier for a lot of people but everywhere we went we saw a lot a lot of pheasants so and just wildlife everywhere
1: yeah any any surprises on what species uh show up in some of the some of the areas because of the habitat
3: um it depends um a lot of turkeys popping up all over the place so you know anywhere people have trees well most people think they think pheasants they just think of grass um but that's not the case we want trees are you know huge they need habitat to get them through all four seasons in south Dakota. we're gonna have four seasons some are just shorter than others Um, but we get pretty harsh winters over here so trees and whether those are you know cottonwoods and oaks or cedars those provide a ton of great cover you know and resistance from that snow form Um, but then just you know a lot of the some of those wetland areas are great too it's a really thick cattails and stuff that provide that heavy heavy dense cover for winter um that helps these you know these these birds and a lot of wildlife he'll chase out skunks and raccoons and everything out of that thick cover throughout the winter so um but our seed mix is designed you know for what soil composition you have uh, that provides the best and that you know going to allow certain seedlings to drop throughout the whole year providing food for all the birds that move through there
1: excellent 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 and i'm sure you see uh, a lot of deer too you do you have both in some areas where you have whitetails and muleys
3: oh yeah yep yep so i i have a deer hunter, and you know, mainly the muleys are out west. Um, yeah. Once you get to the Missouri River breaks around here, you'll start identifying some of those those muleys. But anywhere there's you know river bottoms and creek bottoms, you'll find some, some whitetails, even out on the west side and out in the hills. But the east side stays you know primarily whitetail.
1: Yeah, and and those grasslands provide great habitat for them for bedding areas and raising fawns, and and the whole circle is good. And they're grazers also, so they probably help with some of those invasives and weeds. Yeah, we hunted a big grass field yesterday on the way home, and I saw more deer than we did pheasants.
4: Actually, there were so bedded, so many beds in there, and it was like, wow, there's a lot of deer. Sure, you know, sure enough, the
3: dogs started bumping into them. and They were getting up, so they love those grasslands as well. So
1: yes, they do. Yes, they do. So. Uh, sdhabitatfund.org we'll give that again in a minute here but uh this is the way you can get to this to try to win many of these great prizes truck boat and um and it's for a great cause it, it you know nonprofits that that raise money for habitat helps all of us clean accessible uh, uh areas for water uh everything is just so good for this there's nothing nothing bad about supporting habitat and uh uh, give give the the uh, options again on the tickets.
3: Yep, you bet. It's uh, so we're pretty pretty much totally self sustaining funding at this point. All our, our funds have been private. We we're putting in for a bunch of grants here this year, and we'll just wait and see if we can get on any of those. But it's sdhabitatfund.org backslash raffle. We'll take you right there. But just head to our homepage; you'll, you'll find it. Um, check us out: South Dakota Habitat Fund on any of the social media channels. SD Habitat Fund on Instagram. South Dakota Habitat Fund on on Facebook. And this is a Toyota TRD Pro. I mean, it's in a, a Lumencraft 165 Classic Sport with the motor. This is, you know, valued at about 87, dollars $90,000. Plus, it comes with a couple thousand dollars worth of Berkeley baits, y sunglasses, ugly stick fishing poles, Maven spotting scope window mount. Uh, shields provide life jackets, anchors, dock ropes, uh, rod holders. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting, oh, Gerber provided a ton of outdoor gear, axes, hatchets, knives. So it is the ultimate outdoor package to get you to places that others can't, and you're going to be set for whatever adventure lies ahead of you with all the extra gear.
1: And if you win that, you'll have some more buddies that want to go on Hunt and Fish with you, and it's a great thing. Uh, sdhabitatfund.org. And, uh, Brian, we thank you for being on and uh, look forward to seeing who wins that uh, great prize (music) package.
3: Yeah, you bet, Dave. Thanks a lot. And we'll, uh, the drawing for that will be happening in our spring gala, um, right the, around the end of the May. I can't remember the exact date right now, but look for it right around the end of the May, and uh, we'll be notified. And, and then just keep coming back, we still continue to have prizes like this that we're just we're giving away all time,
1: trying to raise some funds. Awesome. Keep up the good work. We appreciate what you're doing.
3: Yeah, thanks, Dave.
1: Thanks. That was Brian Bashore. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sire lives remote, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel. For those with a passion for the outdoors, we will be right back after these messages.
0: The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. While Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long-control light lure casting. MAG-4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range, no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Serley. My partner, Dave Kranz, is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. You know, if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting them at asafishing.org. Another place uh, I'm going to tell you to visit And I don't think I have to because I think everybody who watches fishing, who who fishes, who follows the sport uh, on a competitive level has been to see what goes on in Major League Fishing. It's the hottest circuit in the world. It's burning it up ever since his inception. And we have with us a great guy, a great fisherman, and the man who invented the concept of Major League Fishing. Please welcome Boyd Duckett. Hey, Boyd, how you doing?
4: Steve, I'm doing great, man. Good to good to talk to you guys. You and Dave both.
0: Oh yeah, I will. I will pass on your. Uh, I'll pass on your regards to David when I when I see him. This COVID is just uh, keeping things uh, apart farther and far. You know, it's not getting any better, and uh, it's it's unfortunate. But you know what, you you guys did well. In, you know, you pulled off. One of the first big events last year at the at the Red Crest in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is your championship event. And I, honest to goodness, boy, I couldn't have been more impressed at the way Major League Fishing pulled off that event. It was top notch from beginning to end. Well, I sure
4: appreciate that. Uh, as you can imagine, we we uh, we had several Red Crests, but unfortunately, and which is our championship. Uh, for the Bass Pro Tour, but with the Bass Pro Tour starting in 19, then uh, actually uh, February or first week of March would have been our first Red Crest. So that would have been 20, and then so 20 and 21 became fairly insignificant events. We had the tournament but couldn't have an expo, couldn't have a lot of people due to COVID. So last year was our first chance to, you know, stretch out and have our big expo. And all of that. So it was it was uh, a long time waiting for us to finally get one in.
0: Well, and it was important that the the Red Crest, in particular the Expo, came off as well as it did because Tulsa is an important place for you guys.
4: Yes, it is. It's one, one, one of our two office locations. We're Tulsa, Oklahoma and Benton, Kentucky based. Uh, with with uh, Benton being the the MLF five the old FLW uh, so to speak that's our other location and uh, and yeah but you know we, we being right there at home in Tulsa uh, you know gosh we we wanted wanted all of our local fans you know to appreciate that but it was a national fan base uh, really that came or certainly middle part of the country it seemed like I talked to people from all over the center section of the country that came to it tulsa is a great venue for bass fishing it's always been a big fan base there so it's a good, great place to have it
0: tulsa's a great city uh fishing or no fishing you know if, you, if as my first time ever in tulsa and if people have not gone to tulsa man you're missing it. you got to check that city out it is really good
4: Cool town, no doubt. Cool town.
0: Very, very much so. You know, I, I got to figure there was a lot of pressure on everybody involved with Major League Fishing to pull off a great event. How nervous were you that this thing was going to come off and be a success? Well,
4: to be completely honest, you're always nervous, especially when you haven't done an event as big as this. Uh, and it was really a big event, tremendous attendance. Uh, you know, when you got forty to fifty thousand fans coming, you know, you you—it's a big, big deal. We have lots of time to plan. We have an unbelievable staff. I have all the confidence in the world in my staff. But you still are scared to death to get the first one done, right?
0: <laughs> oh, so, for sure, yeah. for sure. It was—it yeah. uh, was incredible. You know, I, I I don't get to go to go to them all. I, I normally go to iCast every year. And the past yep. the past few years I've been I've been going to see the other brand's big show, uh yep. Bassmaster Classic. I know I shouldn't be talking about that, but hey, it's 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 there. Got it, gotta accept the that's the elephant in the room, you know. And uh yep. I am looking at what I'm gonna do and I said, Well, you know what, I think I'm only gonna get to go to one. I should go to iCast. And I go, oh, you know what, I've been to a number of iCasts in a row now. I gotta check this major league fishing out. You know, I got I gotta check out this Red Crest thing. I've always wanted to go to Tulsa. And man, I made a good call on that one. You, you know, I'm not saying you you guys are better than Bass, but I'm not. I'm you know, I'm not looking at it as a competition, as a standalone thing. I am very happy that I went. The show's great, the expo's great, and then you you end up with a, a great fishing event uh, with Mister Lane doing a great, great job and bringing it home.
4: Boy, isn't that the truth? Yeah, it's uh. That, that's that's our uh, of course that's our championship and and uh, Bassmaster Classic is also a fabulous event. Uh, have all the appreciation in the world for those guys. You know we're just doing the best we can. Uh, you know to have a big championship as well and and you know for all the major league fishing pros and shoot man it turned out great. Uh, you know like you said with uh, with our format that that nail biter all the way to the end with Bobby Lane winning was unbelievable hey one of the cool things was the watch party you know we we're uh, you know our sport is real time so uh our score is real time catch release and and so when you see you know what you see is what the what the deal is so that makes it a lot of fun to watch we threw that big screen up there and had i don't know man three four five thousand people gathered around it you know the whole time especially that third period <laughs> And uh, that in itself was a whole lot of fun, just being part of that watch
0: party. Oh no, no kidding! You know, I, I was I was in the press I was in the press room, and you, you you watch this stuff, and you kind of wonder. Uh, on stage, everybody says, "Oh, he he's a great representative. He deserved to win." You know, in, in any tournament, you see the guys all talk like that. They talk like uh, Nuke Lelouch and uh, Major League. You know, the, the they've got the standard lines they go back on. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm I'm wondering, to, you know, these guys really like Bobby Lane because Bob, Bobby Lane to me is he he's as real as it is, you know. Uh, he's not putting on airs. He he's he's him, you know. He, he's what he is. And I was watching it in the uh, in the press room, and uh, just in front of me at the next table was Kevin Van Dam and his wife Sherry. And and when Bobby won it, Kevin jumped up out of his seat and he was pumping his fist going, "Yeah, yeah!" And I go. Well, there, there's a guy who's a Bobby Lane fan, and you know what? I think everybody, everybody on your roster was, and that's really nice to see.
4: Yeah, man, Bobby's one of those special people, uh, you know that everybody likes. You know, I mean, none of us, unfortunately, we all we want everybody to like us. We don't all get along, and uh, but you know, Bobby's one of those guys that you can't not like and you can't not pull for. He's a genuine, great guy, He's an unbelievable angler. I mean, phenomenal angler. Uh, well- deserving a red crest but just a great person so yeah you you feel yes nobody wants to get beat but you feel good about Bobby winning because he's he's a great winner and a great person
0: you know we, we, we've been friends for a while and i think i think i'm a nice guy and don't like to instigate and don't like to be a troublemaker and you just said you know we don't all get along if i was a real hardcore journalist i'd be bugging on that right now. I said, all right, come on, boy, duck it. Who don't you get along with? Who don't you like? But you know what? I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going there because you broke my heart. I, I can't believe that you don't like everybody. You're the, You're the happiest guy in town. Well, I like everybody. I just meant everybody. Oh, oh. maybe everybody doesn't like maybe me. Maybe they yeah, don't like you, you. Okay, all right. I, can, I yeah, get that everybody one. Everybody doesn't like me. All right. You know, I, I, I think you guys are uh, Major League Fishing, top to bottom, is a resounding success. Uh, and I would imagine if I asked you that as a yes or no question, you would say yes. There's Absolutely. More, there's more to it than that. Uh, what do you consider your... Biggest measurements of success are? How do you gauge success in this business? Well, you
4: know, the purpose of major league fishing and what, what drove me from the beginning and still does is just simply, you know, it's a, there's a lot of misunderstanding about, about you know, getting out here and wanting to compete with bass. I have, I bass, I hold in the highest regard. Classic's a giant event, none of that bothers me. There's nothing I wouldn't do to support them today if it further benefits professional bass fishing i'm all in man because that's what i got in it for Uh uh-huh and so so our deal is to for all of us collectively if we can further the sport of professional bass fishing build new fans uh provide new opportunity for people to watch in some of our creative programming support each other uh that's what i'm in it for man it's just i'm in it to, to see if we can make professional bass fishing uh better than it is no one's done anything wrong we're just doing our best to to help uh and and try to find a way to to get it to another level if there is one we'd love to see it and uh, and then get a lot of programming out there we've been very successful we've invested heavy as you're well aware of in putting our product out places it's never been you know bass pro tour arizona discovery we're on, you know, CBS Network, we're on CBS Sports, Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, uh, Fishing Network. We've been to other networks. That's what we currently have. We're on 12 months out of the year. So, man, we're just pumping professional bass fishing out there to the masses and saying, hey, we have a cool sport. Come watch us. Come be part of us. And that's what I'm about. And and so that's uh, uh, that's what we've done. And, you know, we'll continue to do so.
0: I, I tend to go all over the place and, and off script uh and I will do it here and I, I don't mean to throw you under the bus but you know, I don't think that uh I don't think professional fishing gets enough coverage, uh other than in fishing coverage, you know, fishing magazines, T V and all that. Uh mm-hmm. I, I've said I've said for years, you know. Uh, I, I'll I'll have a heart attack if I ever watch in the news and they say who won the classic. You know, uh, it's a forgotten thing. It's it's the biggest biggest event in sport. Now you got red crest, right at its seals. I'm not seeing this on TV at all. Two weeks ago, turn on the TV. I'm a ABC, CBS, national, not local, and they're just all talking about this story about uh, those two walleye guys out of Cleveland on Lake Erie. They got caught loading up fish with lead weights and cheating, Uh, and and now fishing has gotten more national publicity for something not good than all the great things that fishing does. We can't buy a mention, but now these scumbags... uh, Put fishing, you know, fishing is trending because of those guys. Does something like that actually actually help the sport by bringing attention to it, or is it does it give a sport of, give our sport a black eye we can't get away from? Well, that's a great question. I'll first
4: answer by giving you the answer they have in politics, which is. Uh, all press is good press, yeah, right? All press is good press. So at least they hear about you, but, but I don't think that's good press for it, for us. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a far cry difference between what we do at our levels, uh, at all our top levels and all our top leagues and in the way we operate, uh, you know, we, we try to be as professional as possible. You know, it's just one of those things that get out there. I don't think it hurts us either in the sense that there's always somebody out there in the world, uh, you know, doing something or, you know, doing something illegal or wrong or pushing the envelope or cheating or whatever you want to say. But, you know, that's never the reflection of all of one one deal. I mean, you know, the NFL or even Tom Brady's inflate gate doesn't mean everybody nfl cheats it doesn't even mean that tom brady cheated it just meant that he had low pressure you know but those are the big stories right ah. i mean there's websites built on nothing but negative because people respond to that
0: you're right you're 100 right and it's so funny the, the I, I was with family when i had heard about this and the first one of my sons says oh what, what's this guy like the tom brady of fishing and i was like yeah huh First of all, yeah. this, is some, this is some local guy. They want some money, you know. I says, but you're not going to compare some local Lake Erie guy with Tom Brady, you know. Uh-uh-uh. And, and, and the, the fishing equivalents of Tom Brady would never even think about anything like this. So, so you're, you're building this up bigger than it could possibly be. Uh, quick, quick question. We don't see this in, in major professional bass fishing. Uh, and you guys have steps that you take. To ensure that this stuff doesn't happen, my opinion is it's it's not gonna happen just because the cameras are always rolling, and uh, uh, and you guys are on it and there's no uh, you're not in the boat with your buddy. Are, are you, are, do you guys actually worry about somebody trying to come up with a way to rig the system? Well, it'd be pretty
4: hard with us because we have uh, league officials in every boat. So we have a referee in every boat. So, it, you know, it, I don't know what you could ever pull off. Uh, you know, they're all trained officials. They've gone through a rigorous program and they're, you know, they all work for us. So it's, uh, it's a different, kind of a different situation, you know, than a, than a team event where you're out on the water by yourself. So I, it's kind of impossible really on our side.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
4: yeah. But I, and I really don't think bass fishing. I mean, you think of all of the thousands of tournaments that go on. It's pretty rare in bass fishing anymore.
0: Oh, I imagine it's pretty rare, rare in anything. And you know, if, if uh, these devious minds that come up with something like this, everybody put their brains together and worked on something good, like trying to cure cancer. We we'd not be worried about that anymore. But there's way too much time and energy spent on on crap like sticking lead weights and fish yeah
4: yeah that's uh-uh, crazy uh-uh. that, that,
0: that, may, that makes me that makes me sad that really does make me sad but the future of fishing is great and it's because of people like boyd duckett and organizations like major league fishing let's take a quick break let our sponsors have a word I want to talk to uh, boyd about some major league fishing sponsors steve sarley with Lee fish asa we'll be right back with more boyd duckett
4: You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won,
3: probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I've completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this
1: new tour series of bait. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs onto it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube.
0: Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. While Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long-control light lure casting. MAG-4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rides on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to WeFish Fish ASA. I'm Steve Surley. We are on with uh, the man who runs Major League Fishing. He invented Major League Fishing. He is Boyd Duckett. Uh, in addition to running major league fishing, he's got a pretty good business going uh, with uh, duck and fishing uh, rods, reels, and related equipment. How's that going for you?
4: Well, just uh, you know, we've come through three years like the whole industry busy as we could manuf, hard as we could manufacture, we could sell. We had a lot of people come into the fishing space. It's been real good for ducket fishing as well as, you know, boat motor manufacturers, uh, you know, all of my compadres manufacturing lures, rods, reels, line. So, we've experienced a pretty good run in the fishing space. Um, you know, I think we're seeing some leveling. I won't really say so much of a slowdown as maybe a level. I mean, there's only so many rods and reels you need, right, or boats. Right. No, no, <laughs> so, that's not true <laughs> at all. That's God, not no, that's not true at all. Yeah, keep buying more, but... But it's uh, it's been a, it's been a good boost for our industry to have a lot more people. But more importantly, uh, as recognized, you know, and even you talk about you know ASA's position in the space, representing their constituency, which goes well beyond the manufacturers of products. It's all of us sure. that, that that use that fish that use the space. And to have that collected voice, well, listen, that voice has gotten larger because we've had a lot of people come into the space during the COVID time that will stay. Uh, You know, I've seen percentages anywhere from, you know, 10 or 12 percent to 25 percent, you know, so wherever that real number is. But we have a big influx of new people using our waterways, uh, you know, getting out there fishing. And hey, that's a great thing for you and I, Steve.
0: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, with Duckett Fishing and and you being the boss of that and the boss of Major League Fishing at the same time, you have pro staff members that are on the Major League Fishing roster. Obviously, there, there are pros on Major League Fishing who do not use the Duckett equipment. How difficult was that for you to come up with a list of guys you wanted representing your product and not getting them all peed off that you didn't pick them and and now they're still fishing under you and against you. (laughs)
4: Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic, but really we have mostly the same uh, pro staff that we always have at Ducket Fishing. That's a, that's a regular deal. That's, that's something that I'm not as hands-on Larry Rinkin, my executive vice president manages the pro staff. Uh, I approve those places, but uh, but you know, I have eighty guys I get up every day and work for in the Bass Pro Tour, as well as uh, twenty-four thousand individual participants on our uh, Major League Fishing uh, (MLF) five side. So that's that's where I stay focused. Is what can I do for you know uh, twenty-five thousand anglers and uh, and stay focused on that
0: mostly. You know, I don't I, I don't you're not this kind of guy to think about this, but. You'd do real well if, in addition to saying you got to fill out these waivers and send in a check and, oh, by the way, we're only letting people fish the, the five levels of MLF if you use ducket fishing equipment. You, you'd probably have a pretty good year if you could sneak that into the rule book. Hey, i probably good,
4: but listen, I'd be I'd be hung, I'd be hung <laughs> by, the rest, by the anglers. I could never
0: be on the water again. No, yes. I can't do that. Oh, unbe- mm-hmm. unbelievable. You know, I... I when you guys started Major League Fishing, everybody's looking at this. It, it, it becomes us watching the leagues set up and go against each other was like the big spectator sport. What's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? And I, when you signed Van Dam to come and fish the Bass Pro Tour of Major League Fishing, I remember I had said I was I was talking to. Uh, I was talking to Ken Duke from Fishing Tackle Retailer. I says, "Man, they just hit a home run. They just have got the the. They just signed the greatest fisherman in the world." He said, uh ah. he said, I love Kevin. Kevin's great. Kevin is the best fisherman at catching five big fish in a day. Mm-hmm. That does not mean Kevin is the best bass fisherman in the world. What he has done in his career, he is the." Best that. This is something new for him. And Ken mm-hmm. Ken was a hundred percent right. It was a hundred percent right. But move it, move it. and taking nothing away from Kevin, because Kevin's a friend, you know, and I, I think think the world of him. Looking at the way you you guys were recruiting and bringing people in, I looked at the Kevin thing and I said, Man, they got it. They got the name. Uh what is BA what does BASS have to do because they're losing anglers to Major League Fishing? Well the obvious answer is uh Bass has to grow their own stars. They have to grow their own stars to replace these uh mm-hmm. these uh long term pros that have moved on. Well, you know what? You aced them on that too. Because I just like between between uh, Jacob Wheeler and Dustin Connell this year, there there's a couple of young guys that combined, I don't think two guys have ever had a year like they have had. You guys have the established stars, and now you have the guys that are the next generation of superstars. You've got it covered on both ends. It's rather amazing, and it's got to warm your heart to see these young guys doing so well against a roster of 80 guys that are possibly the best list of bass anglers in, in the world.
4: I know it's it's really uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, through my long career in fishing to to watch these guys that emerge in the sport and with especially with the ever every fish counts format watching you know Cadell and Wheeler uh, MDJ and uh, you know Jordan Lee and a lot of these anglers come forward and learn that part of it as well and you see these emerging super superstars you know Wheelers. Uh, you know, ranked number one anger of the world. I think he has been now for three years, and it's just amazing to see these guys come up and how talented they are. Uh, you know, Kevin's more from my era. Uh, Kevin's still the goat, in my opinion. Uh, I have uh, a, we, I have all the respect in the world for Wheeler. He may be it, but he's got to live it a while, right? Yeah, you know, you're right. he's got he's got to catch him a long time to catch, uh, and he's plenty capable. But at least let's enjoy that era of KVD being the goat for a while longer.
0: Oh, for for sure, for sure. It's uh, uh, he's almost uncatchable when you think about it. And there's other guys that have had good years. Uh, a good year doesn't make a make a good career, but it's it's a it's a good foundation. And, uh, and, and you know, Cannell just really quietly. Had a season to die for. My goodness, it was absolutely incredible what he did. And and I look at some of these other younger guys. I'm a I'm a Dakota uh, Ebert fan. Uh, I I think uh, a guy that uh, had it difficult with the season that uh, that that Jacob and Dustin had was Michael Neal, who I think is about as good as it gets. Uh, but but those two guys kept him out of that. Uh, uh, kept him away from getting that hundred thousand dollar check at all those tournaments, but you know he's always a top ten guy. Another another young guy that's a, that's a threat to be a hall of famer at some point. Uh, man, top to bottom, you have a, a list that is absolutely incredible. Do you think it's going to stay pretty similar for next year? Are, are we done with the 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 uh, the action and the movement we've seen over the past couple of years, or will that always be? Uh, well, you know we're. Major
4: League Fishing is a very nimble company. <laughs> we set out to try to find a way to, to make the sport the most compelling it can be, so we're always considering change. Uh, but as now, you know, with the changes to, uh, with the pro circuit going away, the development of the invitationals, that's the big change for 23. But, hey, man, we're always thinking, creating. Uh, you know, we have the new team series, which no one has seen yet, and uh, and we're starting to compete now in the new Team Series events. They'll start airing uh, January 1st on the Outdoor Channel. And there's a brand-new product that's unbelievable, man. It's three-man teams. We're all in communication on a headset. It's a completely new dynamic, and it is off the charts exciting.
0: I think so, too. And, and I think it's going to create more activity and more talk. I can't remember who I had on just a few weeks ago, and I asked about the Team Series. And he said, uh, I like the concept, could be good, could be bad. Like, if you happen to get drawn and you're on a team with Brian Thrift, don't expect any help because Brian Thrift's not telling anybody anything. And I, just, <laughs> I just laughed when I heard that. I, yeah, that sounds like Brian Thrift to me. This creates a whole other sidebar to the story now that you've got the personalities, not just fishing at the same time, but having some interaction with each other on the same tournament, I think you're going to have some real highlights this year from that aspect of it.
4: It's unbelievable, and not not only uh, are they interactive, but they have to be because you can't win it by yourself. Right? You, yeah, you got to the the teams that are that are doing well uh, in the in the couple that have, that we've already done. It's the team, man. If you don't learn to play together as a team, you you can't get there. So so they're having they're being forced to take all their talent and combine it. And uh, you wait till you hear the radio communications. It's crazy, and you'll hear. Hey, you're gonna hear the meat that's never been out there before, because you know I, it's one thing for me to tell you I'm I'm catching them on a jerkbait, but when I have to make you catch them on a jerk bait. I'm going to give you the meat on how it really how it's really working, and that's what these guys have to do. They have to they have to bring the other guys with them, and uh, it's unbelievable, man.
0: And, and then two weeks from now, when the guy you gave that uh, jerk made tip to beats you in a regular event uh, in a Bass Pro Tour event because of a tip that you had shared a couple of weeks before, and then you hear here's guys, you know, just bitching themselves out for have ever said anything in the first place, it's going to be a lot of fun. I guarantee you, but Hey, you can't not do
4: it because the team championship pays $300,000. So, you know,
0: when you're competing, man, you're trying to go the distance, you know? So it's, it's wild. It is really amazing. I, I, I've i got so many more questions I'd like to ask, uh, or, you know, what, we've got winter coming up. Let's, let's do this again. I want to ask you about rules. I want to ask you about some other uh, formats, special events, things like that. Uh, I congratulate you on your flexibility. You know, I think everybody thought when you guys started, oh, these guys think they're the smartest people in the room. You know, they know everything. And you have been flexible. You've changed things. You had a one-pound minimum, two-pound minimum. And you change the minimum to, it's, it depends on where you're fishing. And you have the events where you fish the first couple of days at one lake, and you move to a smaller lake for the third. Uh, and and you, you do it, you change it. it. You're not changing fishing. You're not changing the format. You're tweaking the rules, trying to make it more interesting for me and the other people that are sitting in front of the TV watching it. And, and I, I'd shake your hand right now if we were together, because I think what you guys are doing is exceptionally good in the flexibility that you show in the way you're making these tournaments operate.
4: Well, I certainly appreciate that. Like I say, we're trying to create, uh, we're trying to put professional bass fishing out there where it can be most appreciated, exciting for our fans. And hey, listen, we listen to our fans. Uh, We do our best to make those adjustments year over year in programming like you said it's still fishing you still have to beat the competition but if we can offer it in such a way that it's more enjoying to watch we're all about it so uh yeah. nothing's off the table for us and you'll see us continue to evolve and try to find the magic
0: you and i will talk again real soon Boyd Ducket. thank you for being with me i appreciate your time
4: thank you steve
0: god bless you take care we'll hook up soon boyd Ducket. he invented major league fishing he runs Major League Fishing. He'll say he does it, but he, he's, he's the boss. He's the boss. We love Boyd Duckett. Phenomenal guy. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best time fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guests, Dan Johnston from St. Croix, Brian Bishore, walleye fisherman, charitable guy. He's involved in uh, National Professional Anglers Association. All-around good guy, great fisherman. I sat in with Boyd Duckett. A lot of changes going on with Major League Fishing, all to the positive. He's a great guy and he does a great interview. Thanks, Boyd Duckett. We'll be on with him again real soon. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on Earth, Calcutta, makers of line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Iowa, We have your bass covered. They do. Iowa Reels, remember, WeFishASA.com is our home base. Check us out there or listen to the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Send us some uh, emails. We answer everything we get. Let us know if you like what you hear. Tell us know if there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or someone we ought to have on the show. Let us know that. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner's Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing.